Good morning. So I should say that like a little closer in. Good morning. And welcome to Convocation this morning. Uh, today, we will hear a presentation from a guest we've invited to campus, Dr. Barb Meyer, who is one of the physicians at Goshen Family Physicians, the doctor's group we currently partner with to offer medical services to students. But before we get started, I'd just like to remind you about the space here in Convo. It is, of course, a place where we put an issue on the table each week that we hope folks on campus will talk about for the rest of the week. Often the content of these presentations appears in the record, and you get general education credit for coming. So I don't want to put too fine a point on this, but as the PowerPoint rolls over, we usually give you an announcement which I'll go over again in a minute. Just want to remember that having somebody up here is like having a guest speaker in a class. So you don't usually do your homework for another class in that class. You don't usually text during that class or have side conversations. And you don't usually spend the entire time on your laptop doing something besides being here. So just remember that. Uh, the three announcements up there, right? Be courteous to people who are around you. Turn off electronic devices like this thing. And um, save your conversation and texting for after. So, with that said, Dr. Barb Meyer here is a 1985 graduate of Goshen College. She went to IU Medical School for her medical degree and then did her residency in St. Paul Ramsey Medical Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Her residency she did in family medicine, so nice. <laughs> She's my family doctor. Um, and of course, I imagine, uh, you may know this, you may not know this, but she's been here in Goshen for about 10 years as a family physician uh, with Goshen Family Physicians, one of the big family practices here in Goshen. She and her husband, Lane, practiced medicine in Wisconsin for about seven years before they came back here. They have three children. They attend Benton Mennonite Church, and I'm sure she's going to tell you quite a few other things about herself. Welcome, Barb Meyer, please. Thank you. Thanks, Russ. Good morning. Yeah, so I've gotten to meet some of you in our, our practice at Goshen Family Physicians in the past. I've gotten to meet some more amazing ones of you who have attended uh, the College Age Plus class at uh, Benton Mennonite Church that I get to be part of and really enjoy also. I'm not actually here to represent either of those groups or any other group, so please don't hold anyone else responsible for the things I say. I speak for myself, and I would love to speak further with any of you on any of the many topics I'm going to touch on here. Char has my contact information, and if you have any interest in getting in touch, one of the things I really enjoy is the back and forth, and Convo is really a pretty bad way to do that. So I'm sure you know that we don't get much back and forth here, and um, that's a loss to all of us. So. Uh, don't, don't hesitate to contact me later. I understand it's not a crime to finish a convo talk early, 
and I plan to commit that non-crime today. So there will be time at the end if anyone wants to raise either a comment or a question uh, on any of this here. There will be time for that. I will also hang around a little afterwards if anybody wants to talk in person. I have the pleasure today of talking on one of my very favorite subjects, bodies. Your body, my body, your neighbor's body. <clears throat> Contrary to what you might think listening to much popular conversation, I propose that our bodies are not the vehicles that carry our brains around through life. I propose that our bodies are us. The combination of our bodies and the breath of life, or the spirit in us, is who we are. Our minds, our emotions, even our thoughts are in a real way part of our bodies. Our sexuality and our talents are part of our bodies. As a physician, I approach bodies as amazing and resilient, ever-changing and vulnerable. I am aware that when I am sick with stomach flu or a bad cold, which I know many of you have experienced recently, my whole life is affected. My bones can ache, my muscles can feel weak and tired, my brain can have trouble concentrating. I may lose my appetite. I probably won't feel like making love. I may not want to get up all day, even if I'm usually a very energetic and healthy person. It's not all that different if I don't sleep for a night. My attention and concentration may be affected. I may be emotionally labile, or moody if you prefer, and easily irritated. My immunity will suffer, and I'll become ill more quickly. I may fall asleep during an interesting conversation or movie, or especially a less than interesting class or convo. I can choose to cut my nights short, night after night, and drink lots of caffeine to pump myself up so that I can function in the daytime. And if I'm young and healthy, the chances are good that I will get away with it for quite a while. I won't function at my best or feel as well as I would if I got a reasonable amount of sleep. I probably won't feel quite as clearly, quite think quite as clearly, or feel quite as emotionally stable, or be quite as generous with others. But I will probably be able to do what I need to to get by. Our bodies are amazing that way. I get lots of other choices, too. I can smoke pot to relax or to get a break from my stressors, and it will help me relax and get a break from my stressors for a while. If I do this regularly, it will decrease my overall energy level and my general sense of motivation in life, which is called amotivational syndrome. You probably all know some folks who are suffering from that, whether or not you knew the name. On the other hand, I can take a walk or run outside breathing fresh air to relax and to get a break from my stressors. And if I do this regularly, the long-term effects will likely be increased energy and increased motivation over time. I can eat junk or I can eat foods that make my body and mood feel better after I eat them. I can drink beer to the point that my body feels poisoned in a few hours and I'm dehydrated and headachy in the morning. Or I can choose to drink moderately or not at all 
and not suffer those consequences in my body and life. I can reach out to others physically in ways that express joy and appreciation in their bodies and in mine, that propagate respect and delight, ways that honor our health and our relationships. Or I can reach out to others in ways that grasp and take without regard for relationship or health, for joy or appreciation. My point in this little litany is not that life comes in discreet, clear, bad, and good choices. I don't believe that. My point is not that there are good people and bad people. I don't believe that either. My point is that we each get the immeasurable gift of a body, and we each get to make choices about that body. None of us gets more than one body in this life. None of us gets to choose which one we get. Each of us, no doubt, might choose to change some things about the one we get. Such is life on this earth. I choose to think this part of life on earth is usually good. If I could keep choosing any body, where would my sense of stability be or my sense of security in the body I am? How would I mature in my life with this body? You are now at a point in your lives where you get to make more choices about what you do in your body than you have probably ever had before. And you have adult bodies now which have amazing physical and intellectual, sexual and spiritual capacities. You can use those choices in a myriad ways. You can explore what your mind, body, spirit is capable of doing in many settings. You can treasure it and love it. You can feed it yummy food and give it luxurious showers. You can take it out for bike rides and picnics. You can challenge your brain to learn new things faster than you ever could before. You can allow your body to experience new things in relatively safe and supported environments. You can make some choices in a spirit of rebellion against someone or thumbing your nose at various authorities, but really the choices you make about how you live in your body will usually not affect anyone else as much as they affect you. So I hope you spend your energy and time making choices that will give you the best chance at the kind of life you want. Just to be clear, I'm talking about the choices we have. Our bodies and minds are vulnerable to more than just our choices. We will all have to deal with some things, large and small, beyond our choices. That reality, too, is part of life in a body. I would love to talk more about that sometime, but that's a whole different talk. <clears throat> So back to the choices we do have. In some ways, college seems like a time apart, and in some ways it is. It is an unusual opportunity to develop a wide range of relationships, to learn new things. For most of you, this is an opportunity to spend a few years developing knowledge and skills that will help you be self-supporting in rewarding ways for the rest of your life. You have the opportunity to spend more of your time in preparation and personal development than you will usually have as an adult beyond this. And you get to do it surrounded by a huge crowd of peers, which is certainly exciting and stimulating in a lot of ways and possibly disconcerting and exhausting in others. 
It's important to remember, nonetheless, that in terms of your body, mind, spirit that I'm talking about here, there is no discontinuity from before college, through college, into life after college. You don't get a new body, mind, spirit after college to go on in. In other words, the things you do here and now, just like for everybody else in life, will continue to affect you from here on, not just because of the ways we humans make habits, but also because you will still be the same you, living in the same body. I know that sounds really stupid, but honestly, I don't think many of us actually live in that consciousness in college or after. So let's do a mini experiment right now in what I call integration. I mean reintegrating our body, mind, spirits intentionally. So let's practice sinking into our bodies for a few minutes. Here's the invitation. Close your eyes. Put your hand on your chest. You're getting convo credits, so you can indulge me here. <laughs> Just get comfortable. Now with your eyes closed and your hand on your chest, I should say, unless you're using the interpreter, in which case you'll have to keep your eyes open and put your hand on your chest. I want you to notice your breathing. Your body breathes for you all of the time, whether you think about it or not. Take a few deep, regular breaths and notice that oxygen feels good. Every cell in our body needs oxygen to function. With decreased level of oxygen, our thoughts become cloudy. Our cells function poorly. With no oxygen, we die within minutes, even the strongest of us. We breathe in oxygen-rich air. We breathe out carbon dioxide, which is a byproduct of the functioning of our cells and feeds the plants and trees around us what they need. We can change the rate of our breathing easily, as you can notice. If we breathe too quickly, which loses too much carbon dioxide from our system, or if we hold our breath too long, which retains too much carbon dioxide and deprives us of oxygen, our bodies will wisely lose consciousness for us. Either direction, I breathe too fast, I breathe too slow, my body just knocks me out so that it settles down. Sleeping or unconscious, healthy bodies will breathe at a nice, slow, regular pace and restore optimal acid-base levels, optimal oxygen saturation in our bloodstream. Now keep your eyes closed and your hand on your chest. I want you to notice your heart beating. Your heart has been beating since you were about six weeks past conception in your birth mother's uterus. It will beat more or less regularly until the day you die. In fact, we define death in most circumstances by the cessation of a person's heartbeat. The first rhythm in any of our lives, you could say, is the rhythm of our own and our mother's heartbeats. 
Our heart rates vary for many reasons. They are harder for us to learn to change intentionally than our breathing is, though we can learn to change them intentionally. Our hearts and circulatory systems distribute the oxygen and other nutrients from our lungs and from our gut to all of our cells. They automatically regulate our blood pressure so that we can stand without fainting and still not have too much pressure to our heads when we lie down. Amazing. Feel free to open your eyes. Feel free to see, to hear, to smell, to feel. So what's the point of all this? We are longer living than most other mammals, and most of you are still on the upswing end of your physical strength and abilities. But while our wisdom and maturity continue to increase for decades, our physical abilities peak before our fourth decade of life, and most of us are acutely aware of the perishability of our bodies by 50. The point to me is that we have an amazing gift in the body that we are and get to be every day a body that cares for us and needs to be cared for in return. A body that allows us to relate with each other in amazing ways as we grow. I pray for each of us wisdom, joy, and a reasonable portion of risk-taking as we make our decisions every day about how to live embodied lives. And that's basically what I have. I have two brief tangents and I'll stop. I made a comment in my litany of choices about moderate drinking. I would be remiss as a physician and as a public citizen if I did not notice that not everyone has the physical choice of drinking moderately. For some of us, the choice is between drinking to excess or not at all, and any realistic conversation about alcohol use has to recognize that fact. I do not take that lightly. Second tangent, I don't really have a beef with caffeine in and of itself. Take it on an empty stomach, Caffeine will cause a lot of people stomach upset. Many of us get some tremor, rapid or irregular heartbeat, what we call palpitations from caffeine. Many people with migraines will have worsening if they take caffeine regularly. But these things aren't really dangerous. I mean, not life-threatening or whatever. My biggest concern with caffeine is why we're taking so much caffeine in this country. And I'm sure you all know the answer to that as well as I do. What are we replacing with all this caffeine? Sleep. Sleep, of course. You know, if I were to put an ad on the internet or on cable TV, and I were to say, I have a product that is scientifically proven to improve your productivity at work or at school and your immune system functioning, thereby giving you relative protection from illness, this product will also improve your mood and, by the way, your skin quality, everybody would laugh and say, boy, they will say anything on cable to sell a product. But there is something that is scientifically proven to do all of those things and to prevent car accidents besides. And that something is available to most of us for free. What is that thing? Sleep, of course. We live in a sleep-deprived nation, and we all pay the price. And I could go on about that for a long time. There are great, great studies on that. But I honestly can't say that sleep is free, even though no one has to pay money for it. 
What we have to pay for sleep is much more costly to us, and that's why we're sleep-deprived. It costs us time. Ouch. Well, enough tangents. I am done for now. Bottom line, love your bodies. They are wonderful. If there are any questions for right now for this setting, feel very free. I think Shara has a microphone. Or you can yell them out. My hearing's still really good. <laughs> um, but uh, I would also really hope to run into lots of you in other settings and get to hear from you, which would be a more complete circle than, than this is. And you can always call us at Goshen Family Physicians. <laughs>